0: Thanks for listening to Ram Nation Radio. Did you know that Toyota's iconic Land Cruiser will be coming to an end this spring? The 2021 version is your last chance to purchase a new Land Cruiser. This powerful 381 horsepower V8 has legendary off-road prowess to handle the toughest terrain. And inside, you've got spacious, heated, and ventilated leather-trimmed seats to let you enjoy it all in comfort. Stop by Peterson Toyota today to test drive one of Toyota's most timeless SUVs before it's gone. Peterson Toyota has been serving customers for more than 52 years. in Fort Collins, they're Northern Colorado's largest automotive dealership, and yet they care for each and every customer for the lifetime of their vehicle needs. Count on them for high-quality vehicles at the right price. This family-owned business proudly serves the communities of Fort Collins, Greeley, Windsor, Loveland, and all the surrounding communities. They are loyal CSU supporters, and we couldn't be more proud to have them as a partner. Whether you're in the market for a New Year's vehicle, make Peterson Toyota your first choice. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. This is what you call a winning streak. We've got a recording two weeks in a row. And guess what? This Friday, you're actually going to get a bonus episode as we're bringing in Joe Parker for a special episode where he's going to talk about all things CSU athletics, what it's been like to navigate through the COVID year, the challenges and decisions that he's had to make, um, the investigation that they endured, uh, and hopefully answering a bunch of your questions. I'm going to be posting a message on our message boards this week, asking for your questions uh, that we'll try to get answered for you. I know a few of you on the Ram Club board have already... uh, Offered up some some good questions. You knew this was coming, so we will definitely include those. Uh, but as of today, as you know, I'm Joel cannell I'm joined by Mike Rowe and Steve Ivey today. What a blessing it is to have him here because we're going to be talking CSU hoops. And in our second segment, we're bringing in assistant coach J.R. Blunt, who's going to give us the inside scoop on how the team is uh, doing here down the stretch. They're coming off two wins against Air Force. They're playing four games in seven days after a three-week uh, postponement. So uh, we'll get his thoughts on the the, up, the final games of the regular season, the Mountain West tournament and prospects for the NCAA tournament and much, much more. So that's in our second segment. Uh, before we get to it, boys, this segment is brought to you by Mighty River Brewing. They're currently at 50% capacity. So between their great indoor space and their sunny patio, they can accommodate more beer drinkers than they have in a long, long time. Basically, since a year ago, they uh, just released their, their Red Cloud Vienna Lager. They've got their Intergalactic Current IPA and a dozen other beers on tap. You can stop in, pick up four packs to go, as well as Growlers and Crowlers. And they've got a regular rotation of different food trucks visiting, and you can always head next door and order a pie from Pizza Vino. Owner Dan Miller is the man. He's one of the best Ram fans I know and a Ram Nation supporter who uh, we really appreciate. Does a fantastic job. We're trying to talk him into creating a Ram Nation Golden Lager Ale sometime this year. So I'm um, hoping Ram fans can help me encourage him to make that happen. It would be awesome. And then uh, Mike and I have joined many beers there at Mighty River. And remember, you can get $1 off your beers by showing ramnation.com on your phone. So Mighty River Brewing Company in Windsor, Colorado. Boys, Rams took care of business against Air Force, uh, played late last night, eight o'clock tip off. Slow start, could not uh, hit water if they fell out of a boat, but um, somehow won by 30 still thanks to some really good defense, changing kind of the way that they were attacking the rim in the second half, feeding Roddy. Uh, Just curious, uh, Steve, Mike, to get your impressions of the last two games, especially coming off a three-week stretch where they they did not play at all due to uh, two different series being canceled. You know, let me.
1: Why don't I let you
0: guys talk first? The, the only reason why is
1: I would love to hear impressions about how the game looked on television. Um, I'm fortunate enough to cover uh, to cover the team in person in Moby uh, for Ram Nation, and I have my thoughts. But I, I, sometimes things look different on TV and feel different on TV. I'd be curious to hear uh, what what your thoughts were as you as you sat and watched the game yesterday.
2: You know, to me, obviously it looked like a team that was rusty. Um shooting's about timing and both those games in the first half we had open looks. Um the we we did a good job moving the ball around. We had the open looks and we just could not put it in the in the bucket. And you could see after after the halftime adjustments after the halftime adjustments they uh started pounding the ball inside, Roddy started opening things up, and then it just started flowing. Um, You know, it was reminiscent of that St. Mary's game. Since we didn't have that change at halftime uh, like we did the last two nights, but, again, we were moving the ball around really well, and all of a sudden, uh, and not making those baskets, the last two times we did make those, and we got the the blowout wins.
0: Yeah, to me what was interesting – We've heard this quote from coach Medved Nico says uh, he preaches love the two like the three and our team is really good at shooting the ball right and so he does not discourage the team from from launching threes, especially when they're open. However, in this game last night on Monday night man, were they two for 18 in the first half? They just kept launching three after three. And I am I kept thinking to myself, what happened to this mantra of of love the two, like the three. We just keep shooting three after three after three and and bricking. And we're building building castles with all those bricks. But I just knew. I knew. And I went to my uh, trusty old DraftKings and, and placed a second half wager because I just didn't think that Coach Medved was going to allow that to continue to happen in the second half. And much like on Saturday night when they made adjustments and said, look, you're going to pound the paint. You're going to attack the rim. We're going to feed Roddy. No one's going to stop him. That's exactly what they did. But thankfully kind of what, what really kept them in that game is their defense. They just play this ferocious defensive style. And I kept catching Steve, I'm sure you got it in person, but you kept catching a glimpse in the background of the bench and the coaches, their enthusiasm, with every defensive possession and I I just love the emphasis on defense with this program. And if they can continue that effort, man, they can go far. Yeah. I,
1: you know, just, just some of my thoughts and I, you know, I wrote about the game in my, in my blog this morning, but um, there's a couple of things I didn't, I didn't talk about. Um, One of the things I always watch in pregame warmups is to see who is, is everybody making threes and there's days where, you watch them in warm-ups and every ball goes through the net. I mean, every ball. Um, last night, it wasn't going through the net for everyone. And I will tell you right now, the guys that were missing were missing in warmups. ups um, And I don't know if that translates. Um, but Kendall and John Tanjay didn't shoot the ball well in warm-ups. Thistlewood did. Isaiah shot it well. Uh, Rivera was making shots during warm-ups. And you saw what he did during the game. So I keep an eye on that. Uh, that being said, that doesn't mean it can't turn around during the game. I mean, Kendall made seven threes in the game in Moby against Air Force last year. I mean, he could not miss. I um, mean, he has games where he doesn't miss, and so that was kind of an unusual thing. So um, that was one of the one of the little things that uh, that I noticed. In terms of the defense, um, there were probably I, I made notes. Um, there were two really incredible defensive sequences where. CSU defended all the way through 30 seconds of a clock and either committed a foul or not, uh, or, or um, Air Force got an offensive rebound, which gave them 20 more seconds. Uh, and the Rams forced shot clock violations out of basically after playing defense for 50 seconds, not just 30. And I, that to me was, um, was outrageous. Um, that showed the quality of, uh, of what they were doing. And that was something that I watch over and over again. They don't, they don't stop. They're relentless in terms of uh, when they defend uh, when they're on the defensive side. And then finally, on the offensive side, we have seen this turnover issue for about I don't know how many games, but averaging 18, I had 20 turnovers against Air Force in the first game, and I mean sloppy ball. And probably the sloppiest has been our best our best ball handler, Isaiah Stevens. Isaiah's five six eight, nine turnovers. I mean, just all crazy numbers. He went uh, turnover-less yesterday. Uh, that was a huge thing uh, from, from what I saw, and that bodes really, really, really well for, uh, for what uh, I think what's coming uh, in, uh, in the next few games, uh, regular season, and also as we head into tournament season. He is um, as good as there is in the Mountain West. Uh, with the ball in his hands. And when he's not turning the ball over, he's, uh, he's absolutely lethal.
0: Anything about um, it seems like this, this staff is really good at game planning and adjusting their game plans based on what they know of their opponent. I mean, you wrote a little bit about this in your blog this morning, but um, you talked about how Nico said that they had changed their ball screen coverage because they knew that two games and three nights against Joe Scott, that they would have something for CSU. CSU. And and uh, so that was kind of a, a tactic that CSU went with, was to change their ball screen coverage and uh, to keep them off balance. So um, what is your impression of this staff and their ability to do things like that?
1: Uh, just from my perspective, I think the fact that they, uh, there's a couple of things. Number one, they recognize if somebody throws something at them, they recognize it right away and you'll see some little, You'll see some, uh, some little tweaks and, and adjustments. Um, and so I think it's the, just the, the sheer ability of these coaches to, uh, you know, not just in, in terms of putting together a proper scout, but knowing uh, what they're seeing out there, if they're seeing something a little different, um, making those adjustments in game. Um, there's little things they do and they, they don't talk about them, but there's little things they do that, uh, you know, the the one thing that uh, the, the offense does from game to game, you might see them on tape uh, setting screens in certain places in the next game. Those screens might appear somewhere else to free somebody open for a three point shot. You just don't know where they're going to set the screens on a, on a given day. And if you watch them during the game, you don't see this as much during the game on TV, I don't think, but, you know, when they're running offensive sets, they're, they're running different offensive sets every possession in the first half. Um, Ali has got the whiteboard out, and he, he's writing up the play, and they're reading it, and they're all going to the right places, and they're all doing it, and there's all these little subtle things. You may think you're seeing the same, uh, the same patterns and the same actions, but the end result of where the screen is, where the shot's going to come from, who's going to get the shot is just subtly different. And that's, uh, that is, you
0: know, that's a lot of uh, uh, the staff deserves a lot of credit for making those things happen. So uh, it was pretty cool to see after the game, you, you know, Kendall went, uh, what, 0 for 15 from the field and two games against Air Force. And, you know, he uh, that's two games in in 48 hours, essentially. And he, he's out there after a grinding game, shooting some more. I think Thistlewood was also out there know who else, but uh, so, so that's just kind of, kind of guys that you have on this team and that's why they have a winning they're building a winning culture you got guys like that um but it was kind yeah, of go ahead I, just just to add um you know i i did a video i put it out on twitter today i
1: i haven't figured out a way to put video into my uh, blog stuff i don't know if i can do it and i'm having some troubles uh downloading stuff anyway that that aside um I did a a little video, uh, a little video that I put on Twitter and it showed Kendall and he missed the first shot and then made three in a row. And that's when I stopped filming. I mean, (laughs) the the kid's a great shooter. Thistlewood comes out and starts burying stuff. Thistlewood was shooting uh, a sequence from probably six, seven feet behind the three point line. I mean, beyond NBA range. Uh, the other thing you didn't see was Isaiah Stevens came out to check up on them. You know, he just wanted to make sure they're doing okay. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it, it's it, when they, when you hear this team together mantra, they're, they're together.
0: Hey, and, the, and then the other cool thing was that they got uh they got the seven footer Jenison in for a couple minutes there and uh, he, he got a, he got a basket and it was just, it was cool to hear the roar. You can just hear it kind of echo in the, in the background. I'm sure you heard it a lot more clearly clear than we did on TV, but you could tell the excitement of the, his teammates getting him in there and uh, getting the bucket.
1: Could could you hear, um, there was a play earlier, so he got the basket, but there was a play earlier where someone, I can't remember who it was, it was PJ or uh, somebody else, drove it, maybe uh, Rivera, drove into the lane and dished the ball to Jenison, who was going to dunk thunderously, but they called a foul on the drive. Um, I think it was, I, I, I can't remember who it was. Anyway... Uh, that, was the, that was the loudest noise of all was they were so looking forward on the bench to seeing, the, to seeing Jacob dunk the ball. And everybody was so – it was so disappointing. We were, we were all – you know, the people in the press box, you don't stand up and cheer, but you're allowed to giggle. And we were, we were all laughing. It was just <laughs> shaking our heads and laughing. It was pretty it – was, it was an amazing thing. I mean, the team spirit, the energy – um, the love they show for one another um, when they're on the, you know, other people are on the floor. It's, it's a real supportive group. It's a tremendous spirit.
0: Yeah. The TV cameras caught Roddy's reaction on that, on that play, which was cool. Um, all right. So they, they took care of business against air force. Now you got a really downtrodden New Mexico team coming in. Um, any reason to be leery? I mean, yes, it's a division one basketball team. They have really struggled this year. Steve, you know the matchups. I mean, is there a letdown possibility? Are there a, a potential trap looking forward to Nevada? Uh, any, any worry on your end that we could get caught in a trap there? So I, I'm not
1: worried about the trap. I think the one thing uh, this team has done an incredibly good job of is stay focused on the task at hand, and that's the game in front of them. Um, they, are not, they are not a team that, that looks ahead. That being said, New Mexico, as bad a season as they've had, offers some unique challenges. Um, they do things. They're very different than an Air Force. Um, uh, they are much more athletic. They are big. They pound the offensive glass. Um, and they don't shoot the ball worth a darn. I mean, they are they – are, there are 355 college basketball teams. They are about 340th in every shooting category, where CSU is about 20th in every shooting category. Complete, uh, complete opposites in terms of shooting. But the one thing New Mexico does really well, and you'll see this tomorrow night, um, that is a great challenge to anybody they play, is they, they will vary a defense from possession to possession to possession. They will sub a lot. And when they bring subs in, you don't know what defense they're going to throw at you. And so it takes tremendous recognition on the side of, uh, of the CSU guards uh, to get them in the into the right into the right stuff. Whether they're getting trapped, uh, whether it's a one-three-one zone, whether it's a two-three zone, whether it's man-to-man, uh, whether it's full court full court pressing, it's real tricky to see. And, and if they have the recognition, they should do well. Um, they are well schooled that way, and I feel pretty confident that our guards are going to going to handle it pretty well but you never know it's it's it can be different so then you know, the
2: thing that the thing that impresses me so much with this team is is they don't get they don't get down in years past we we can look at teams and look at games like saturday and and, and last night where we didn't have a good first half and you go into halftime and then you start having those doubts like well why why aren't we putting the ball in the hoop? Like, and then you see pressing, and and this team didn't do that. You you look at you look at the San Diego State comeback. I mean, just miraculous. But down twenty six, you know what? Let's just keep playing our game. They come back, they get that win. You look at you look at the Utah State series. We get blown out, our doors blown off that first night. Uh, twenty two points, I think, is what we lost by, and we come back. We beat them the next night or two nights later. This team just does it. They they don't have that mentality of getting down on themselves and, and feeling sorry for themselves. If if they're making those mistakes, they worked on they work on fixing them and they work on fixing them immediately. It's not, hey, well, we'll you know, we got it next game. It's 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 we're going to do it now. And so I could see them struggling. I mean, what Steve, what you were just saying about. Uh, the athleticism for New Mexico and, and, and throwing the different looks. I could see them struggling to start. But I think, again, it comes down to their their chemistry together as a team, the, the staff, and just that mindset like, you know what, we're going to win this game. We might win by three, we might win by 30, but we're going to win this game. And, again, you go, you go back to the UNLV series, you know, both games, I think those are series that if we play them now, I think we, we beat them by 15, 20 points, but we struggled at those times, but they were like, we're going to win, and they did. So, I, you know, I'm excited about tomorrow night. You know, I'm excited about these four games in such short amount of time, because you know what? They're going to have to do that next week in, in Vegas, and they're going to have to do that when they're in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, you know, Mike, a, a couple of things to look for tomorrow night. Um, last year when we played New Mexico, uh, they did not defend the three very well. and when we played them in Moby, we shot nineteen for twenty eight. That was a school record nineteen makes out of twenty eight shots. they couldn't miss. Um, Kendall and uh, Kendall and Adam Thistlewood I think were both five for five. Um, so, that's something to keep an eye, uh, eye on. Um, I don't think we're going to see a two for 18 half is kind of what I'm getting at. I think that's over with. Yeah. Second, Secondly, the other thing, uh, I don't know if you noticed this during the game last night, but Air Force started throwing a little bit of a, a trap in the second half to try and get back in the game. And as soon as uh, Isaiah uh, and Kendall recognized it, you saw Isaiah and Roddy pass the ball back and forth. And you might not have been able to see Kendall, but Kendall was hanging out in the forecourt trying to get open, ready to get a pass and immediately attack. And within like, you know, five seconds, of the, three seconds of the ball across midcourt, Kendall was shooting a layup. Um, they know how to attack those kind of traps. And it's just a matter of recognition of which one is being thrown at them. And I think that it might take a little time tomorrow night, but I think generally that's where they're very well-schooled. That's where a lot of the coaching comes into play.
2: And Avery Johnson brought it up, is, is having a player like Roddy uh, in that position to, to help with that. You know, this is a guy that, you know, 6'5", 250, obviously he's, he's the big man underneath and, and powerful underneath, but he's so smart and he's so talented that he stays back. And, and like, you, like you said, I mean, it was Stevens bringing it up, and as soon as they move that trap in, uh, pop it over to Roddy, and then yes, and then he looks looks for more and, and to break that to break that trap and, and you know really open up that game for us last night. So that, yeah, that's a great observation, Stephen. If that part wasn't said, I mean you couldn't see it on the TV, but I know that Avery Johnson did bring up how important David Roddy was at, as almost that that point forward position, bringing it up.
1: I mean think about it how many guys do you need to trap Roddy I mean he's a big strong guy (laughs) he's a great passer you've not you can't have two small guys trying to trap him it's not going to work he will just shrug him off and that's the and he's such a good passer and he is so smart his vision is great and so yeah he's he's a perfect guy to to help with that you know maybe New Mexico will recognize that and they'll just sit back in a very tight zone and force us to make threes i don't know i it's hard to say but i don't see new mexico surviving if they sit back
0: so all right boys well we've got uh about nine minutes until coach blunt's gonna join us got a couple more questions i want to run past you obviously we've got nevada coming up on what friday so that would be the fourth game in seven days under steve alford second year they're 14 and nine nine and seven in conference they were playing really well with sweeps of uh unlv and boise Boise. I mean, sweet Boise. That is a tremendous pair of games right there. But then they run into COVID where they had to shut down themselves. It canceled or postponed our series, two games with them. And then uh, San Jose state got postponed. Uh, And then, so then they, um, they had three weeks off and then they had to go on the road to Utah state and uh, their, their layoff did not help them. Their three weeks of prep for Utah state did not help them. They'd actually gave them a real good game in the first First of the two games, uh, but they got swept on the road there in Logan. Then they just had their their San Jose State, which was supposed to be a makeup game. That was canceled because of San Jose State. So now they've had extra time to prepare for CSU. So not – I mean, this is a game that's worrisome. To me, this game is kind of the pivotal game for CSU in the postseason because if you win, it's a quad two win. You lose, it may not kill you. But it's going to drop you at least to the number three seed. And if that happens and then the standings remain the same, UNLV and New Mexico would be the the winner of that game, would probably be the team that CSU would play in the first round of the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Tournament. And I do not like the prospects of having to beat UNLV three times in a year because they have a tough matchup for CSU, especially on their own court. And then if you look at the prospect of CSU losing their regular season finale and then – the opener of the Mountain West tournament, I think that spells doom as far as their NCAA hopes are concerned. But Steve, love to get your prospects on or your your vision of this this game on Friday. I think you're, I think everything you just said is legitimate.
1: Nevada's good. Um, if you check their record, Joel, they've been very good at home in the Mountain West. I mean, their their great wins are the two over Boise, and they had two good wins over UNLV at home. They. They beat UNLV by 30 points, um, and they couldn't miss. I mean, that was, that was as good a performance as anybody's had in the Mountain West this year. They can play at a high level, but you put them on the road. They lost two games at Wyoming. Um, they did not play well at Wyoming, and then you saw how they looked at Utah State. They got back into the first game at Utah State, but they were down 20 points in that game. And then the second game, they were down twenty points. So um, they are not good a good road team. They are a, a typical young team. They are young like CSU. They don't play. Uh, they don't play seniors. They've got uh, one one junior in the lineup, and they play a lot of sophomores and freshmen. And uh, and that's a very typical of. A, and they have a little less experience in the Mountain West than CSU does. These are there. Those are new road trips for them, um, and that's tough. Um, and but you get them back at home, and they have one player that it uh, comes off the bench, and he happens to be a pretty good sub. He's a six nine guy named Eric Meeks that shoots the ball really well, and he's a good rebounder too. And he missed the Wyoming games, and he missed the Utah State games. And when he's not in the when he's not available, he has a, a, a bothersome knee. Nevada is one and four. Um, when he's around, they play very very well it's unclear whether he's going to be back on, uh, on Friday night, but if he's back um, in Nevada at home, oh, that's a believe me, that's a, that's a really tough game and don't call it a trap game. It's a legitimate, <laughs> they're a legitimate opponent. They're good. Uh, they win at home. Um, uh, that The two wins over Boise proved it. One of the wins over Boise was a blowout. It was double digit win, pretty much double digit the whole way. So um, uh, it's a tough game and i is see going to have to be at their best. Um, it'd be, we'll talk to, maybe we can talk to Jr. to find out exactly what kind of prep. Um, I don't know if we prep for them yet, if we may have done some things, but uh, you know, before COVID uh, canceled the original games, but um, it'll, believe me, that's just going to be as tough a game as CSU has had. Um,
0: it's going to be as tough as the San Diego and Utah state games and the Boise games. They're a good team. And you've got this Grant Sherfield, who's, who's really fun to watch. I mean, he's a mountain West player of the year candidate along with David Roddy and, and uh, he is a handful for sure. And, uh, you know,
1: one of the interesting things, and I, I never, you know, we don't get a chance to talk to the players much. You know, you, you do interviews after the game and you, you kind of stay focused on the game. But, you know, Isaiah Stevens, who's, you know, another top point guard, he and Sherfield are far and away the two best in the league. Um, they're both basically the same same year. Um, and Isaiah's from Dallas, and Sherfield grew up in uh, he's from Fort Worth, and I don't know. I I wonder if they know each other, if they played against each other in any AAU stuff when they were younger. I have no idea. Um, but that would be something maybe we could talk to Jr. about. But it would be something I'd love to explore with Isaiah sometime. We just don't get a chance to uh, to follow up with those kinds of things.
0: Well, quick thought. I mean, there's been a lot of talk of this. I mean, there's no easy way to navigate the COVID season um, and fair or not, the Mountain West Conference awarded two forfeit wins to San Diego State because New Mexico, who I have a really hard time blaming because they've had it rough. I mean, they have been not allowed to compete in their own state, practice in their own state. So they've been working out what they were working out in, in Lubbock, Texas for a while. They've been all over the place. So They were scheduled to play San Diego state early this year and they opted out. They just opted out. They had some injuries. They were fatigued and they just said, we're not playing the series. Looking back, the mountain West said, we're going to grant those two games as forfeits to San Diego state. Now this has brought some uproar because that really affects the opportunity for CSU. If CSU were to win out, that means beating New Mexico and Nevada on the road to end the season. If they were to do that, they would be tied in the standings with San Diego State, but San Diego State, if they went out, would have one additional win and thus a higher win percentage, which would be the tiebreaker. And I've been angered by it, but I've also understand the Mountain West side. I've talked to Javen Hedlund, was, who's was an associate commissioner at the Mountain West, and he explained why. You know, He said, look, San Diego State was ready and willing to play that game. New Mexico opted not to play it, not through anything due to COVID, and- they just felt that was the only logical solution was to grant them the two wins. Because of that, I think that CSU, because in regardless of the circumstances, who has had a couple games, a couple of games that they will not be able to play now for whatever reason it was, whether it was a forfeit or due to COVID, it doesn't matter. It was out of our control. We don't get the opportunity to play those two games. And just because of the circumstances, we don't have the additional, uh, the, the equitable amount of games. So we couldn't win the champ, the, the regular season championship. I think that that's unfair. And I think the mountain West, the only thing that would have been fair was to say, look, we will grant those two forfeits and we'll use it in seeding for the tournament, but we're going to just grant co regular season champs status. Because I mean, for one, it gives CSU kind of that extra cachet when the tournament is looking at at large teams. And then for two, we would love to hang a banner. <laughs> I mean, So uh, it would be nice to hang a banner. So I, I just think that, that 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 was frustrating because it's completely out of CSU's control. And I wish they would have had some flexibility. I do think the Mount West did a good job of kind of giving the, the top four teams the ability to compete for a championship. But I, the inequitable amount of games, there's nothing we can do to control that. And I thought a, a share of the title would have been smart. Um, So one last comment here before we are one last question before we, we welcome in coach blunt. Um, I would love to get Mike's and Steve's thoughts. I mean, CSU has tied for the, the most conference wins in school history, which is astonishing. What a feat, especially at this, this kind of year, Steve, you watched a lot of CSU basketball, Mike, you've watched a lot of CSU basketball. Where does this season rate in your mind compared to the the seasons that you've been a fan of, of all these a couple decades now i
1: i still in the in the last 15 years recent history um i still would say that the 2013 team was the gold standard um tremendous offensive team and an okay defensive team um, This team this year, if you look at the, uh, the advanced analytics, this is the second best team by far that CSU has had in the last 15 years. They're better than the, uh, 2015 team that got snubbed. They're better than the 2017, which was the most recent 13 game winner. And they're better than the 2012 team that got an at large bid that 2012 team. If you think back, they weren't real good in advanced analytics either, but, uh, That's when uh, RPI was very heavily used. And uh, our previous coach, Tim Miles, was very good about structuring uh, a schedule built around RPI. Um, JR can probably talk about how the Missouri Valley was uh, was, uh, very good about scheming the RPI years ago. I think Tim learned his tricks from talking to people who were in the Missouri Valley. And that 2012 team was probably... Way less deserving than this year's team at an at-large bid, and yet we were an 11 seed that year. So, you
2: know, I I love this team. It's sad that uh, we haven't been able to honestly grow with them in person through this year, through the last 12 months. Um, so a lot of it, a lot of it's built off of last year. Uh, you know, when we had so many freshmen and sophomores that were are paying their dues and just seeing them and, and getting to know them then and, and just knowing how this team is, is just so together. I mean, like you, like you said earlier, you know, team together, is not just a hashtag, you know, it, it's what they believe and it's, and it's what they live and it's, and it's great. It's been great seeing that, uh, you know, throughout this year, throughout all the, all the challenges From this year, you know, this team, I mean, we had an outbreak in November, you know, when we talked to Aaron, that was the first day that they had more than a handful of people for a practice. And they had a game three nights later against CSU Pueblo and then two nights later against, uh, you know, northern Arizona and then three days later against St. Mary's. I mean, this team they are put together and, and they did a lot of it off the court. You know, and, and and it's awesome seeing that, you know, the the 2017 team will always have a place in our hearts. The Magnificent Seven. And and uh, I know, Steve, you, you tweeted out that picture. I mean, that was just great. And, you know, I love that 2015 team. You know, J.J. J.J.'s one of my one of my favorite players in CSU history, you know, um, you know, especially having a, uh, a, 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 a big kid.
1: Danny fan. <laughs> Danny was one yeah. of my favorites.
2: Yeah, yeah, I love Bayherrano too. You know, you know, and, and Stanton. You know that was that was a fun team, and 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 obviously the, the you know the the twelve and thirteen teams. You know what Timmy started and, and what he brought in, and then what Larry, you know, finished when they were when they were all seniors. And, and it's just so much fun. And then obviously all my friends, whenever I was in school, you know, cheering for them. But this 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 is a special group you know, this is a very special group. And, you know, and I said, you know, uh, Steve, we talked about it, uh, that scrimmage last year, the, during homecoming weekend. And I said, you know, this team, if they make it a, a CBI, I'm like next year, I mean, almost following Timmy's Timmy's path with, with that, with those guys, if next year they, they can, the 21 season, if they can get into that NIT and, and then in 22, you know, make make a, make a run to try to get in the NCAA. You know, and we're ahead of that. You know, we're ahead of that. You know, we, I know we stumbled a little bit down the stretch last year, but we had an opportunity. I know that, that we were going to go to CBI, but going into that last week, we had a chance to get into the NIT. You know, and, and looking now, I mean, we we have a legit shot of being uh, an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament, and and it's great. It's, it's great for these guys. It's great for our program and and, and this staff.
0: Agreed, a hundred percent. Well, guys, we've got uh, Jr. waiting to come in here, but I have one more question because Mike just kind of brought this up, and this could really send us out a wormhole. Steve, I know you've written about this. I have been vocal about this. I just felt like I mean, this team has deserved the opportunity to play in front of some fans, some. Family, at least family, right? And then I was hoping at least get some students in there. Do you think, and now, and it's water under the bridge at this point, because uh, we've got one more home game, but could it have been done? Why do you think we could, and we'll we'll ask Joe Parker this on Friday when he comes in to this podcast, but, you know, why do you think we have, what, an 8,500 capacity arena? Could we not have figured out a way to get some of the the team's peers in there uh, with some, you know, some of the top, student fans to come in hey let's do a lottery we'll allow 500 guys in here let's allow especially some of the family members to come in here why couldn't we get this done you know from my perspective Joel I you know I
1: I think it's Larimer you know Colorado and Larimer County are pretty pretty conservative when it comes to the way they're managing COVID but the fact that they went to a Uh, 150 as a number for indoor activities. I I wrote about it. Um, I honestly, I didn't, I wasn't, it would have been nice to have student fans. I honestly think they should have focused on family and friends. I think the one thing these players deserve is to be able to play in front of their families. I feel very, very strongly about that. And personally, I'm very disappointed that CSU didn't figure out a way to get the families in. Um, But that's, you know, it's what, like you said, it's water under the bridge. It's time to move on. Yeah. You know, hopefully the families, when we go to the NCAAs and are in uh, the uh, Indiana bubble, uh, hopefully family will be able to attend those games. I think that will be a wonderful reward for them. So. 100%. You know,
2: I, I agree 100%. You know, it would have been nice. Um, but it's one of those things we, we just don't know. Oh, there's so many unknowns still. The long-term effects, even short-term effects. I mean, think about think about where we were 12, 12 months ago at this time. It was masks. masks are, you shouldn't wear masks. Masks will help spread it, you know. And then, then it's like, well, okay, yes, you can wear masks. I mean, it, it, it's just it's so many unknowns, and it sucks. Believe me, it sucks. I can't even tell you, you know, as a fan – the gains that I've given up in the last 12 months you know I mean here and you know in the UK I was going to go over there for the London series between the Cubs and Cards I was going to go to Euros in Wembley uh, in Dublin and in Glasgow over a week span and didn't get to do it you know that's going to be our daughter's first international trip and it sucks. It, it does. Believe me. I, I, and like I just said, I wish that we were in Moby growing with these guys because I think it would, it would have just blown up this program this year. If we had, if we had, you know, two, 3000 to start the season and then finishing up with, you know, with all of Moby just packed. But like you said, it's water on the bridge. There's, there's nothing we can do about it. Now, The focus needs to be, like, what do we need to do to get fans in the stadium in the fall, to get fans in Canvas in the fall, and then in Moby for volleyball, and then for basketball next November.
0: Good stuff, boys. Really good stuff. Um, I'm really excited to talk here with Coach Blunt about all this stuff, about this this very busy week, this season, uh, about his background. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll welcome in Coach Blunt. Thanks, everybody. This is Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Calamasa, joined by Steve Ivey, Mike Rowe, and soon-to-be Coach J.R. One. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Ram Nation Radio. We are so excited to join Coach J.R. Blunt here, who is a guest on our podcast today. Uh, but before we go to him, I want to remind you that Ginger and Baker, who are sponsoring this segment, they are once again the favorite of mine for craft cocktails, down home food. The best pies and bakery items that you can find. If you've never been, you're going to absolutely be blown away. And they've got regular cooking classes as well and date nights in their world-class teaching kitchen. Their menu is spectacular. They've got amazing wine pairings with every menu item, and you are going to be treated first class the entire way. Their staff is second to none. Their facility and their atmosphere are beautiful. They cannot be beat. You're going to love it. Please support Ginger Graham and this great Fort Collins establishment, Ginger and Baker. Coach J.R. Blunt is our guest. Let me talk a little bit about who he's about. He's in his third season as the assistant coach, as one of our assistant coaches with CSU Men's Basketball. He joined the program in 2018. Last year, he was named one of the top assistants in the Mountain West by stadium. He was part of Coach Medved's 2017-2018 season at Drake Uh, before they came over to CSU. Drake that year had a 10-game turnaround from the previous year, the most wins in Missouri Valley Conference action in 10 years. So what an amazing turnaround. Coach Nico's got a tremendous track record with that. Uh, He spent the previous four years on the Drake staff, including serving on Medved staff as an assistant coach. He was also a standout basketball player at Loyola from 2005 to 2009. He was a Rambler's top scorer. Uh, He still holds the uh, what is he? ninth, ninth in points, 10th in assists. He was the school's male athlete of the year in 2008 and 2009. Pretty good, pretty good feats there. And he was a team captain during his final three seasons with Loyola coach. Thank you so much. I know it's a huge busy week for you guys. Thank you for uh,
3: joining us today. Thank you guys for having me, man. It's, it's, it's good. Appreciate it. and Appreciate all the support, man. Hey Joe, can I get
1: one thing out of the way because I have one really curious question to ask. It's a little, little, uh, a tangential, but you, Jr. You, you worked for Ray Giacoletti
3: back at Drake. Absolutely, that's my guy. Uh,
1: did he did he talk much about his time at Utah and his coaching Andrew Bogut?
3: Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, when I when I first got to Drake, we had a um, kid from oh, I can't remember. He's from Finland, a big seven footer kid, and. I mean, that kid was probably so tired of hearing about Andrew Boget. And he was nowhere close to Andrew Boget and didn't turn out to be anywhere in the realm of Andrew Bogut. But I mean, we heard every Andrew Boget story there was. And you know, coach always talked very highly about the Mountain West and how competitive it was. And um, you know, he walked into a great situation there at Utah with with Boget and and you know, it was talks about they had Bogan and they had Alex Smith on the football field. So it was quite a combination there for the youths um, when he was there. Absolutely. So, sorry, I just wanted to get, I just wanted to
1: find out if, uh, oh, yeah. about that.
0: He was something. <laughs> Coach, you guys are coming off of a three-week break. You then get thrust into playing Air Force, an in-state rival, not having the best year, but Did you expect to be a little bit rusty? How do you go into that two-game series after not having played basketball in three weeks? We talked about it for the last 40 minutes before you jumped on, but you expected a little rust. You expected maybe to not shoot well, but you guys did all the other things well. You defended well. Um, you made adjustments in both of the second halves. You figured out, let's go. We're not shooting all that great from the outside. Let's, let's pound inside, pound the paint, attack the rim, give it to David Roddy. Talk about what the last couple nights were against Air Force.
3: Yeah, you know, Joel, it, it was tough, you know, just from our guys' perspective, uh, dating all the way back to the New Mexico and, you know, 30 minutes before the game, we're getting ready to walk in there and then we got to go in there and tell them that we're not playing and – And then all of a sudden, two days later, we're in practice. And right after practice, you know, I get a call from Aaron. And usually when Aaron calls me, I know it's something bad. If he texts me, it's probably something he's joking around about. And I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, man, bro, Nevada's got COVID. I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. And, you know, and then we kind of went through a whole couple day path there where we're like, okay, do we want to go play somebody else? Is that going to help us? Is it going to hurt us? And, you know, we kind of got back to our guys and we just said, Hey, we're going to work on ourselves and work on trying to get better. And we did that. And, and obviously we loved to have it for two or three days. We didn't want to do it for three weeks, but um, you know, we expected rust. we did and we came out and on offense, we were rusty and, you know, I think you you hit on it. Though the the really good thing about the last two games was our defensive effort was great. You know, and I think they're a hard team to guard. They they are having a a, a off year here for Air Force, but defensively, the the effort that our guys put forth with all the details really really propelled us to the win. And then, like you said, if if you got one of the best two players in the league and, and David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens, it makes us look good as coaches when we throw them the ball and they make shots. But usually that's a lot on them and not much on us.
1: You coached the first two years against Air Force, against uh, Pilipovich, and this year against Joe Scott. I'm of the belief that Joe Scott is fundamentally harder to defend. I don't think his players are necessarily as good this year, but yeah. I think they are so much better structured in terms of, of running that that whole Princeton offense. Is that is that how you guys saw it this year?
3: Yeah, that's accurate, Steve. We were actually intermediate today, and, you know, I – I um, I try to anchor the defense on our staff and meet with coach Thorson and and Ali and Aaron and and Nico do a lot of the offensive stuff. And, you know, defensively it was such a challenge because his team's so much more physical than Dave's teams. I thought Dave had a, a lot of skill players, you know, you got the Lavelle Scotties and, and, and the other guys that, Come out and maybe more talented, like you said, than the guys they have now. But you know Joe's team; it, it just was gritty. Like you can tell that that he has that edge to him, and you know just the pace and, and the the detail in which they run their offense. Just seems like it was a lot more, lot a lot better, a lot harder to guard. And you know, obviously, as they get better players in there throughout the years, it's going to be it's going to be a nightmare. You know, it's a headache to play against those guys. Coach,
2: what were some of the things that you did to try to shake off that rust leading into Saturday?
3: You know, Mike, it was it was a lot of individual work. Um, the one thing, you know, Coach Medved does a great job at is we never went more than an hour and 15 minutes. And we came in every morning and met as a staff. And we're just like, Hey, like we need to get better, but we also got to understand that we are going to have to play Nevada and we are going to have to play air force and the mountain West tournament and hopefully postseason play. Um, and we came in and we focused on a lot of individual skill shooting, um, which obviously didn't show up in the air force series. Uh, so we probably should have shot a little bit more, but, um, um, uh, you know, we, we, we kept at it. We kept, uh, we really worked hard in our transition offense. Um, and, and we really worked hard on our individual man-to-man offense, and and we knew that playing Air Force was going to come out a lot of zone, and they get back. But hopefully, you'll see it here tomorrow as we go against New Mexico, and and in the future when we play Nevada in the conference tournament. Just we really focused on our offense, our execution. Um, we're trying to value taking care of the ball, which we did for the first time last night, you know, in a while, which was a major emphasis for us throughout this entire three weeks. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of offensive things and a lot of defensive detail things that hopefully we can use down the line. I want to ask you about the upcoming
0: game against New Mexico and then Nevada, of course, a couple of big games as we lead into the Mountain West yeah. tournament. But I cannot stop looking in your background and I got to know what is on your
3: wall. And you've got about a thousand pairs of shoes on rack. Uh, Where are you? <laughs> so this is my basement. Yeah. So I um, got Kobe and, um, Russell Westbrook up there, my favorite player, and then the GOAT, Michael Jordan oh. up there. Yeah, of course. Um and then yeah, I collect uh retro Michael Jordan shoes. So my wife sends us says I spend too much money, but my my argument is that they appreciate in value. So if you don't wear them and <laughs> if one day, you know, I happen to be broke or something then I can sell all my <laughs> shoes. But uh, <laughs> so,
0: so all those shoes there on the rack, you don't wear are they're, they're just kind of there for display. Yeah.
3: You, most of them I've maybe worn once or twice, um, but yeah, most of them are just kind of collecting dust and um, kind of a bad habit, but what, right, what's my, your pride and joy of your collection? Uh, probably uh, I got, some, some, the first ones he wore, um, uh, I think they're in 85. So they're the ones that are probably back there, right up by the top there. The right, red and, red black? and black. Yeah. Oh, those so, are so, Um, so but yeah, I told my wife, I could have a lot worse bad habits than that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah if,
0: that's a, if that's the worst habit you have, you're yeah,
1: doing
3: I so. well.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So how hard is it? I mean, we're, I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan and I go to work every day. And when I get done with work, if I have something to look forward to at night, besides watching my four kids and I've got Ram basketball on, I'm excited. So to have four games in seven days. So, so literally this week, we've had a game every other night yeah. and that's how it's going to go through, through Friday here. But for you guys who are preparing and you've got, to recover uh, and these, these student athletes have to recover and they're going to class. I mean, how, how difficult is that? And I want to specifically ask you about how, is it hard to keep your focus on New Mexico when you know, you've got Nevada in three days and then you've got the Mountain West tournament a few days after that. And, and you're always got in the back of your mind, the NCAA tournament.
3: Absolutely. I mean, as a, as a coaching staff together, you know, we, we, we start to talk about, things down the line Um, during that time off when we found out we have to play Nevada, obviously Grant Shurfield is an all-conference guard. So we we took a day of practice and and, and kind of put in a a ball screen covers that we may use against him that may be useful against maybe Marcus Williams at Wyoming, Um, just some different things like that. But, to our guys, absolutely not. You know, we haven't, we haven't mentioned Nevada, you know, and before this day, we had not mentioned New Mexico. And today was the first day we came in, wiped the slate clean from air force, watched a little bit of that film and talk about things that we could have done better. And then now it's all to New Mexico. And, you know, I think our guys have been great. You know, when, when we told them we have these four games in seven days, they were like, well, it's better than practicing, you know? And they're like, Hey, like we get to play games and, and it's fun. And, the, the biggest thing I've said about, you know, I've done these podcasts and things is this is the most competitive group of guys that I've been around. So if we would have told them today in practice, like, hey, you know, green versus gold, uh, we're going up and down for 15 minutes. They would have been like, let's go. Like, they, they don't care. Like, it's just it, it's a group that you almost have to tame down because you're like, hey, man, like, let's just relax. Like, you know, otherwise it's going to be. Adams cutting hard versus Rivera and P.J. And, and Isaiah Stevens, who are best friends, get into it in, in a practice. And it's like, you know, it, it's just it's a great thing to have. And you can see it on the court as they all play for one another. So, you know, it's, it's been difficult. Just the the amount of, of going out and playing a game for 40 minutes versus another Division One opponent is always hard. And it's going to be taxing on your body and mentally. But this group is a group that I would pick to do it over any other one.
0: Steve touched on this a a few minutes ago, but you guys are ready to go against New Mexico a few weeks ago, right? So you've prepped for them. What kind of challenges might they pose? And, and, uh, and you're not the type of team that, would overlook a new Mexico keeping an eye on potentially a tougher game on the road, a road game against a, a Nevada team has been tough is beaten. They well. they swept Boise state not right. too long ago. And, and uh, they, they, they could potentially be a roadblock to your, your long-term goals here. So how do you keep, or do you feel confident that this team is, is taking it game by game and what challenges
3: will New Mexico pose? Yeah. You know, I think this, you know, we've had the mentality. Our kind of mantra this year has been: "Right now means everything." And you know, coach comes in and says, "Today is the most important day." And I think our guys have really bought into that challenge and embrace that. And and you know, I think you you go out and you you look at the scores in these games. Now we get late February, March, and I mean, yesterday St. Joe's was three and seventeen. They w- went to Richmond and beat them. Like and you know, you're like. You know and, and we tell our guys that and we tell our guys like hey like don't take anybody for granted and, and new mexico poses a, an a, an immense physical challenge to us like you know they're big and athletic and you know Kendall's gonna be guarding this Saquon Singleton kid and he's six six like and Kendall is listed at five ten and I'm gonna tell you I've known Kendall for six years now, and Kendall's five eight, five nine, like you know, and you know, I think uh, a lot of the challenges that we'll face, like you know, this is probably the one team in the league that has a guy that David Roddy will be similar size. Like you know, they have a, a Rod Brown kid. He's six six. He's two forty. He's built like you know, they're strong and athletic and, and on the offensive glass. Like they're gonna come hard. So you know, rebounding is a major deal in this game tomorrow and. Um, something that we have to emphasize. And, you know, I think the other thing is you play them on one day prep. So it's not like today we went out there and just did a bunch of rebounding drills. Like we're just basically telling our guys like, Hey, the rebound is important and and it's on them to go out and execute the game plan that, that we've established and emphasized, but there's no simulating that by words, you know? I understand coach
0: speak and I understand the concept of game by game and focus on what's in front of you, but you're also human and, as coaches, at least, I'm sure you're not saying any of this to players, but I, you've got to be looking at scenarios, right? And you're looking yeah, at the absolutely. bubble and you're like watching scores like, okay, this is good that North Carolina lost last right. night or so-and-so lost, Richmond lost last night. Um, how much of that do you personally do? And this may just completely be circumstantial, but you guys kept your starters in for almost the entire game last night. So, so I'm sure some of that is because you haven't played in three weeks and you want to keep continue to knock off the rust, but also you want to keep laying it on Air Force and make sure Absolutely. we win by 30, right? So you, everything is pointing towards this postseason in in presenting yourself as the best possible prospect as a as an at large candidate. But you guys have got to be amongst yourselves as coaches very very aware of what's going on around you with in the in the country with wins and losses on with teams on the bubble
3: uh no doubt I mean I'd be lying to you if I told you you know it wasn't checking Joe Lenardi's brackets and and Jerry Palm and all that and if I wasn't then my wife would be updating me anyway so I might as well do it myself and if that wasn't the case, then Aaron would be calling me and texting me and telling me, hey, we're this or we're that or we need this team to leave, lose or, you know, so it, it is. It's human nature. And just like we're doing it, our guys are doing it too. And we're fools if we think they're not. And all they hear everything and they hear all the banter and talk. So um, naturally, yes, that happens, you know. And I think you, you focus on what you can control the most which is us like, you know, wins and losses for us and for our team. But I mean, are we rooting for St. Joe's to beat Richmond? Absolutely. Like if that helps us and, and, and our chances to play in the postseason and the big dance and no doubt. And, um, but I think the important thing is once we get into those lines and, and, and we, we come within our family of, of our guys, it's just, Hey, this is the game we have to beat New Mexico. And, and, Part of it is, you know, you have to beat New Mexico because you want to beat them, but you also don't want to lose New Mexico because that really hurts your NCAA chances too. So, and and they understand that, and and we and we verbalize that and talk to the guys, and I think Nico's done a great job with that about this is the stakes that are at at play here, and but if we handle our business and win games like the games that we're supposed to win, and it's been four in this last seven days, and we feel like we're in a great shot.
1: Uh, along those lines, um, you went to school at Loyola and you coached at Drake. Are you rooting for them or against them?
3: Oh, I'm always a Rambler fan, um, especially since they, uh, you know, n- they're not in, but they're in a much better place than, than Drake right now, um, you know. And you know, I'll, I'll root for I'll root for them just to beat Drake. And if Drake falls out, then that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is there is there something that goes on with the coaches? I know three of you guys have strong ties to uh, to uh, the the Missouri Valley. You at uh, Loyola, Ali at Northern Iowa, and then CJ uh, from Drake. Uh, yep. Is
3: do you have bragging rights this year? Absolutely, and um, I mean we're we're in a group text all throughout the Valley games, and you know Ali was way down this year, and we made sure to let him know. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, CJ and I went to battle and, and you know, I told them they're lucky that they got to play the games in Des Moines and we still beat them by 30 the first game. So it was pretty embarrassing. And you know, I told them we'll see them in the conference conference tournament. But, um, no, you know, definitely and I'm close with those guys on, on both staff. So it, it's been good to see that. But, you know, ultimately, if if Loyola's got to go for us, then peace out. <laughs> Hey, um,
0: I, I want to talk more about your past and your your coaching history and your playing history, but I got to ask you, I mean, no one's ever seen a season like this and the challenges of this season. Um, you guys had to – Mike had mentioned this earlier. You guys had to shut down in, in November because you had a COVID issue in your own program. You had two series canceled. I mean, geez, Louise, you guys, you guys played in a rec center against San Jose State for a couple games. Um, you've had no family and friends in attendance. Can you imagine anything as crazy as this? And I've seen some people talk about across, you know, nationally say, you know, this is just kind of a, this is not a real season. So take it with a grain of salt. But I I personally think of all the challenges and everything, every all these teams have faced. If you have excelled in a season like this, a mountain West championship or winning uh, getting into NCAA tournament is as big as a, a feat as ever. I
3: mean, because of the Absolutely. challenges you guys have gone through, right? No, no doubt. You're, you hit it right the head, Joel. I mean, in the, in the summer, um, and I guess this is why he's the boss, man. Uh, Nico said, you know, this, this year is going to be something that we look back on and talk about And it's just going to be special with all the challenges. And it's been exactly that, you know, and it, it, when we got hit with the, with the outbreak in November, you know, it was tough, but we hadn't played a game yet. So it was still kind of like, okay, yeah, we just missed a couple games and, you know, we'll get back on track. And, you know, and and we did like, it it was tough and we got, we played ball. And then, you know, we get Northern Arizona and St. Mary's and we kind of get on a streak and, you know, we just kept coming in and saying, man, we haven't had any games canceled for the other team. Yeah, like you know and just kept knocking on wood like he hadn't had that like just kept seeing that across the country like oh you know this team was here they were in the locker room or the refs tested positive or we was just kind of like man we've been really lucky and then boom you know you get hit with that New Mexico deal where literally we were two minutes away from going back into the, to the auditorium to address the team to have them go out they had already done 30 minutes of warm-ups we had shot with all the guys pre-game and you know nico always goes in last and he went in first and you just see the look on the guys faces it was kind of like what's going on and he's like hey guys like you know the series is canceled and you know we went through that three-week span of of just not being able to play and it kind of put it all in perspective that You know, it's been it's been a a difficult year, but, uh, you know, it's a blessing to be able to play and and to go out and compete. And I think it's, you know, the guys have have taken a a different approach after being having it taken away from them. That's like, hey, like we got to go out here and give it all we got because you never know what could happen. And especially in 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 a season like this. So, like you said, it's been challenging, but it's been special at the same time. And, you know, these guys have shown that they can can overcome some adversity at times as well, too.
0: And, and you guys also had a practice, what, a couple of weeks ago? That you, you couldn't have practice. School school was closed yeah. because of
3: snow. It, we- it, it, it was it was because of cold, not snow either. Not like cold, and, right. and, cold. and and I'm from I'm from Milwaukee. Nico and Thor from Minneapolis, North Dakota. At least from, we're like, what? Like I have never heard of anything like this. Like I mean, we go to school in negative ten, and like I was like. Yeah, I told my wife, I was like, yeah, we don't have practice today because it's cold. And she's like, oh, whatever. And then we took our girls outside and played outside for half the day. So, um, you know, it was a little bit different. And But it was, again, like we just took it all. It was like, hey, guys, just take it as an extra day of rest. And, you know, we're lucky we didn't have any games to prepare for at the time. So, you know, it's worked out for us in the long run. Can I, can I ask a couple of just
1: a real quick one? Um you know, that you talk about how different it is, you know, and you just talked about your family and stuff. You know, one of the things I've always observed about this team that I think is like the most awesome thing is the wives are very engaged. The kids are very engaged. They're very friendly. They're, they, they do things after game shooting baskets, go scooping around together on the floor. Do they get a chance to get together um, or are are you guys separate um, as families?
3: You know, we've been pretty separate, um, actually the Wyoming game, uh, obviously when they allowed fans, they all got together and, um, you know, Ali's family and, and, and wife and kids are similar ages to mine. And we lived on the same block when we were at Drake, um, in Des Moines. So my, my oldest, my oldest daughter and his oldest son basically have grown up together for the last four years. And, um, so we've seen them and, and interacted with them, but it's still been, you know, pretty much a kind of family bubble for, for the most part. And which is like you guys said, and touched on, it's been unfortunate that, you know, we can't have, you know, our fans and and, and family and, and, and attendance, but, you know, we've kind of just, again, Nico's talked about just the separation the adversity and, and just getting through everything. But, you know, we, we definitely look forward to getting it back next year and, you know, building on all this stuff as well.
2: So coming into the season, I mean, we just had uh, graduated, Nico, uh, you know, you're, you're losing a double-double machine. What were some of the things that the staff did and uh, to prepare this team as well as what the players did to, to kind of make up for that, that
3: loss? You know, I think the guys, you know – were obviously Nico was a great player and, and everything, and, and offensively and defensively was a major loss to us. But I think guys were ready to take that next step and kind of step up, and, and in particular Isaiah and David, as, as you guys have seen. But the summer was was a, a complete grind, you know, from everybody, and and everybody kind of felt like, oh, everybody's saying Nico is going to be gone. What are they going to be? What? and you know, I felt like that kind of put a chip on everyone's shoulder, you know, just for like, Hey, like now it's time that I can step up and I can do this. And, you know, David Roddy at, at the end of last year, you know, really took a jump. And, and in the summer, him and Isaiah were just dominant, like, you know, and then you throw in Kendall and Adam who, who have played so many games and had so much experience and, you know, by, October right before we kind of went on pause, we we're like, Hey, this, this team's pretty good. And, you know, obviously Nico does some things very well rebound, everything, but no outside threat, you know, free throws were a problem and kind of felt like with Deshaun and James, we could space the floor better and, you know, give guys more of an opportunity with space that, you know, that has shown just by improving in the summer, that it was going to be a, a pretty good team. And, you the the biggest thing that that this team did was buy into the defensive end um you know it, honestly our offensive numbers haven't been as good uh we've shot the ball well besides yesterday um uh we we've shot the ball well for the most part this year but defensively we've taken a major jump i mean we were a 200 plus defensive team and you know now we're top 50 and you know it, it it's all it, we didn't change any schemes it was just guys decided like hey defense is important and that's how we win games and potentially win championships and you know that that's really changed us in in the win and loss column just to just to add to the defensive thing just real quickly i think you moved up to
1: 38th in the pomeroy rankings yeah i saw that coming off, the, yeah. coming off the uh the two air force games and that is far and away the highest CSU has had um, in the last 15 years. Even that 2013 team, they were back around 80th or 90th, I think. They weren't even close. Of course, that 2013 team was the sixth
3: best best offense in the country. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, that's – well, we we could get there. We'll, We'll take a little bit of those offensive points. And they and they did it. If you if you're not aware
1: of it, they are the greatest rebounding team ever in Pomeroy statistics. They were first, I think, in defensive rebounding and second in offensive rebounding, or vice versa. So first
3: that's and second in this that's category. That's said. Yeah, he he talks about those guys. He's like, hey, we're not going to be what they were rebounding the basketball, and it's not. You know, we just we don't do the same things and emphasize the same things. But offensively, you know, we want to we want to play more efficiently. And honestly, it's just been the turnovers, um, you know, and that's kind of what's brought our numbers down. And that was, that was good to see yesterday that even though we didn't shoot the ball, well, I think we had 11 turnovers and, you know, that's a number that you can, you can win championships with, with, with how we're playing defensively. And even if, you know, Kendall goes over 55 and um, you, know, <laughs> you, you only have 11 turnovers then you, you can probably win a game.
1: I mentioned earlier before you came on um,
3: I thought the, the the big
1: number not just in, in the turnovers was the fact uh, so it wasn't just a team thing but Isaiah had none, none. Um, yep. and as he as he goes it, it, let's be let's be honest as Absolutely. Isaiah goes so goes the team he's he's the one uh he's the one with the keys driving the Absolutely. car and, uh, and uh, I think that was uh, that bodes very well uh as we get down the road um, so I was very encouraged by that
2: yeah
3: absolutely he he did a great job actually just after practice watching film with them and first thing he said was like yeah I didn't have any turnovers yesterday so I'm, I'm making some strides and you know he he's very he, he's very motivated by that he wants to be a perfectionist and he hates turning the ball over which is which is one of the first steps and it's just about kind of slowing down and, and figuring out how defenses are playing him and obviously he's been a focal point for for a lot of defenses with a lot of length on him so you know just just making that stride as the year goes on as he continues to grow in march like that, that's that's a positive sign for us we you have- know I, I,
1: one more thing just regarding Isaiah I don't know if you're aware of this JR but we had Isaiah on what a month and a half ago uh, he he did the podcast with us okay. and uh week the week after he was Mountain West conference player of the week so there you go we, Joel, Mike, and I took full credit for that. Yeah, <laughs> get them, get them back on
3: here. Get them back on here tonight. Like,
2: <laughs> so Jr. Um, so we had a pretty uh, tough stretch with turning the ball over, starting uh, that first game against Boise. I mean, leading up to Saturday night against Air Force. Where, what do you attribute that to? Just forcing the ball, um, just not being in the right places. Like what?
3: No, you know, I think, Mike, you know, a lot of it, you know, when we went back and, and, and looked at them and after the first game, you know, we said after the first Air Force game, 50% of the film was all 20 turnovers. And we went back to the team and it's like, Hey man, like you one, the biggest thing. And I, and I played and I know you're going to turn the ball. over. Like it's going to happen. Like, and, and for Isaiah to have, Six assists and one turnover or two turnovers, that's a great game. Like, you know, that's a great game. But a lot of the things were just like make the simple play. You know, guys are trying to hit home runs, like guys are trying to, you know, do something where that they, that they're not necessarily accustomed to doing, or you know, or or somebody stepping out of bounds, or a travel, like a footfall, like things that are all correctable and when you just slow down. So the second Air Force game last night was just like hey, guys, come in here, play off two feet, play slow. And it basically was like, if it happens where you drive it and you get to two feet and you don't have anything, you know you'll always have an outlet. You know, so I thought our guys did a great job of that. But, you know, we went to Boise, and and I thought their pressure really sped us up. Even in the game where we won, you know, Isaiah had six or seven turnovers in that game. And, you know, it just – we were playing so fast. Now we made some shots, and we we locked in defensively at times to – to be able to win, but it really hurt us in the second game. And it's like, at times, you know, you just got to slow down and it's a balance. And it's hard for these guys because we want to play fast and, and they know that. So they they play fast. And sometimes it's like, you want to play fast, but not in a hurry. And, you know, as, as these guys are, are growing, you know, they're only sophomores, freshmen and juniors. They're starting to figure it out. And you start to see it in certain plays. And yesterday was hopefully a, a strong sign to, for the future.
0: So I want to ask you, you've got the challenges with dealing with nobody losing a year of eligibility. You got guys like Jalen Lake, Jalen Scott coming in next year and you're not losing anybody. You got, well, first of all, you don't have any seniors anyway. You've got got this, this program that's going, going to be together hopefully for years to come, but how do you juggle playing time? I mean, you got an Isaiah Rivera who, you know, he's a, he's a nice component to this program, but, you know, he probably could have gone some places and played a lot as a true freshman this year. And then you got guys like Jalen Lake, Jalen Scott coming in next year. How do you fit these guys? How do you piece all these things together? And is that stuff you guys talk about as a staff?
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think every player that we recruit and bring in, you know, we feel like bringing something special to something different, you know, that, to get to our program and in, in the case of Jalen Lake, like outstanding shooter, like, you know, plus shooter guy that, you know, hopefully gets to that Adam Kendall, you know, type of mole where he he's just a knockdown guy and can really score the basketball with some length. And, you know, Jalen Scott come in and, and elite passer. Like we, we feel like he's an elite passer, somebody that could really run an offense at six foot four and long and athletic. But, you know, it, it, it it's competition. You know, and I think, you know, even though we don't lose anybody and, and nobody, so to say, it's like these guys are going to come in and, and that's why we recruited them to to be competitors. And it is what it is. Like everybody's not going to play, um, you know, and, and you hope that as, as your program matures that, you know, the older guys do play and then the younger guys continue to develop and, you know, next year could be a year where, you know, somebody could redshirt, you know, whether it's one of those guys or 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 a guy that's already in the program that, that may need a year of development. But it, it will be tough, you know, with these guys coming back. And, you know, you you, you talk about having five starters back on a team that potentially could be playing in, in in the postseason. It's, you know, you hope to have that mold for the next couple of years and, and add to it and, and guys continue to get better as well. Like you said, the Riveras, the Tanjis, Deshaun Thomases—like those guys—continue to take steps, and you know you add a, a piece in there, a piece in there, and um, now you're talking about you know winning a couple games in the NCAA tournament and, and going a little bit further than than people expect you to. You were you were I I believe the
1: the lead guy in recruiting Kendall Moore. Am I correct? Correct. Bring bring him to Drake first, and then uh, and then to CSU. You mentioned that you would, uh, you had, uh, you've known him for six years. What did you see, and what did you see in Kendall? I mean, we see a lot of stuff today, but what did you see back then that led you to believe he'd be a,
3: a, a quality Division One uh, guard? Uh, toughness. First thing was toughness. You know, Kendall couldn't, and shoot, I, I guess I don't take, I don't take any credit for his shooting now after he shot over, uh, whatever <laughs> yesterday, but that wasn't really his game. Like he was just tough. You know defensive guy like you know really could score in the paint but he just had a nose for the ball knack for knack for everything and you know he was just he was the smallest guy out there but he was always in the mix and everything and you know we just loved that and and we were going to bring him to drake like you said and then when we got this job him and him and adam had kind of formed a bond just because they were both coming to drake and you know we we kind of just were like okay you know, we didn't think Kendall was a point guard, um, so to say, but we just loved his toughness and, and his competitiveness, and he's he's an everyday guy. Like, we tell Kendall – like, we held Kendall out during this three-week stretch. He had a little shoulder deal, and – I mean, he didn't practice for a week, and, you know, he didn't talk to me for four days because he was mad at me for not not being able to practice, and I had him riding the bike on the side and all that, and he just just wants it so much, and I think that's why it's hard for, you know, people to kind of look like, oh, look at this kid, he's 5'10", and he's 145 pounds, but he's going to be the toughest kid on the court nine times out of ten. You know, I, I post game yesterday, I asked Roddy, who's tougher pound
1: for pound. And he said, Kendall, (laughs) that says something.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious, you played at Loyola who was in the horizon. They're now in the Missouri Valley. Uh, You've coached at Drake, Missouri Valley. Like how, how does CSU stack up to the places you guys have been as far as resources and money and, campus and way of life and, and, geography and all that.
3: Yeah. I mean, CSU has been the best place that, that I've been, you know, Drake, the Drake was pretty similar. Um, you know, I just feel like, you know, we didn't do like we do training table and things like that for our guys. I think there was more um, more things individualized for the players uh, here at CSU than it was at Drake. Um and, and Loyola was pretty similar at the time I was there. We just started doing the charter flights and all that stuff. But you know, these these guys have it really, really nice. And you know, the the cities, you know, don't really compare. I mean, you we were at Loyola, I think my sophomore year, we won twenty-one games and I don't think anyone knew just because you know, Chicago, there's just I mean, you got the Bulls, you got the Blackhawks, the White Sox, cause like, it's just there's so much other stuff going on that. It's just, it is, it's on the back burner. Loyola went to the final four and, you know, I text one of my, I text the assistant the next year and they weren't even selling out games. Like, it's like, this is one of the best teams in the nation. And, you know, it's like, it's just cause that's the city. And, um, you know, Drake was good, you know, as, as Nico got there and turned it around, you started to see the support that was coming, but you know, I, th- this is just a basketball town. And, and I mean, I, I went to Walgreens yesterday and I had a went on a Ram shirt and like, go Rams, you know, and you just, you didn't, you didn't get that feeling in Des Moines. Um, and it's just been special. It's been great. And, um, my wife would be mad if we ever leave because she likes to hike and, and do all that stuff. And, um, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm more of a city guy, but, uh, she, she's out and about all the time, so she she told us that we can never leave here. So I guess I'm yeah. stuck here.
0: Well, that's not a bad thing. That's good for us, buddy. Hey, hey. So you're only you're only what 14 years removed from playing, something like that. Or not yeah, even t- Tenured. Tenured. Yeah, two thousand
3: nine yeah. was my last year, and I went to hey, play. Yes, MC, you so, graduated so, yeah. two thousand nine. Um, we could have <laughs> used you back
0: then. <laughs> yeah, I, I ag- agreed. And it looks like you could still play, brother. So uh, uh, you ever you ever uh, lace them up and, and
3: participate in practice and taking these guys to the hole? Uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm still on the scout team every day, and I'm not very good anymore. But uh, um, I, I I can I can give a look every now and then to to some decent to some. I'm usually the worst guy on the, on the opposing team. So, um, but. <laughs> I can get out there and foul somebody and I can I run around and foul Isaiah Stevens all game. And then if he turns it over after I follow him and say, Hey man, take care of the ball. Like you've been turning it over <laughs> or last five games." So that's about it. That's about the, the extent of my basketball um, career right now. Do you ever, uh, you ever have haunting dreams about
0: Butler? And I say that jokingly because I, I, I think, and I know you guys, you had a couple heartbreaking losses, and I haven't looked back at your full history against Butler, but uh, it wasn't wasn't yeah. great. I know you had a, a overtime loss against them, but then they move on and they're now they're in the Big East and in doing great things. And CSU wise, is I look back at the TCU's and the Utahs, and yeah. and uh, it was especially those two guys that that have moved on to these these conferences and are excelling, and that was CSU back then. And you you guys are, you guys are right there as well. Kind of that, that stage where you were building that program. But um, what does it tell you? It it takes like luck. It takes like the right time, right place to, to make that jump. But um, you were part of that, that growth of that Ramblers program.
3: Yeah. You know, it, it, it is. And it's, it's a lot about culture and the kids that you have here. And, you know, I think that's why we're, we're right on the cusp here right now. It's just, You bring in the right guys and they and they play for the right things um you know and usually things just work out well and you know i that the program that that we've established here has been built on mostly high school kids and and kids that we can develop for four years which is which is what we like to do and you know they're they're great kids they're great basketball players but more importantly it's just somebody that you know you would have your daughter date and you know, I think, you know, we, we look at those guys as, as we recruit them and what are they surrounded by? Is it their family? You know, who, who's their high school coach and their AAU guy? And, you know, how are these kids when, when we're recruiting how do we relate to them? And are they a fit, not just basketball-wise, but for the culture that we're trying to build? Like, I mean, if you you talk to Isaiah Stevens and, and David Roddy, and it's like, man, like, these are just great young men rather than – oh, yeah, they are very good at basketball, but, you know, th- these guys are, are well-respected around the community, and, and that's the that's the program that we want to build. And I think that's how you take that next step with with guys that are about the right things. I, speaking of Isaiah and David, and actually
1: pretty much everybody I've, I've met on the team, the players, um, a remarkable level of a maturity for 20 years old. And um, I know I wasn't that way when I was 20. I, I am just amazed at that. <laughs> The more you talk to them, the more you realize how special
0: they are. Absolutely. So, I mean, when you look back, how much how much are you drawing on your your history as a player? When you who were your influences as a player? I think Todd Licklider was one of your coaches at uh, Loyola, right? And you know the things that you learn is it kind of in, it bred in you as you pass what you know on to the players that you coach?
3: Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I I try to learn something from everyone that I that I've been around. Um, you know, one of my my main mentors is the head coach at Wisconsin Milwaukee right now, Pat Baldwin, and he was an assistant, and he was who recruited me. He was assistant at Loyola when I was there for all four years, and he recruited me. And um, you know, he he just always just he was so hard on me and so tough on me during my years, and at times I hated him, but you know, now it's just like, if I have a question about anything, like I know I can reach out to him, whether it's two hours before he plays a game or no matter the circumstance. And coach Jim White, was the head coach at Buffalo now, um, you know, was there with me at Loyola. And, you know, it's just those guys that instilled, you know, the brand of how to do things, not necessarily X's and O's, but just, okay, this is how you do things. This is how you get results out of people. And, you know, that worked for me. And then I'll use my playing experience of playing at, at the same level as these guys and, and then playing internationally, professionally. And, you know, just whatever experiences I had, good or bad, I feel like I can relate those to to the guys that they have. And I think they enjoy those, hearing about those experiences and and, and, and equating them to, to what they're going through right now.
1: Speaking of your international play, you played for Leicester over in uh, England. You know, Mike and I are very big uh, English. uh, We're very big Premier League soccer fans. Um, I know Lester has a team, but who was – did you have a team you rooted for when you were over there?
3: So it was crazy because the first thing that was astonishing to me when I got over there was how much money these guys were getting paid. And I'm like, (laughs) I am playing the wrong sport. Like, I'm in the right (laughs) country, but I'm playing the wrong sport. Because I was like, what? Like, people – like. Wayne Rooney had just signed like a 3 million pound, like a week deal. And I was like, well, I'm doing the wrong thing. Like I I can go out there and run and like, I'll play hard. And you don't have to put me on the premier league team. Like I'll do the second division, whatever I need to do. And um, that deal was crazy. So I kind of just became a Leicester fan just because that was who it was, but they weren't in the premier league until, the year after i left and then they won it like two years after that like they won the whole thing and like i was still friends with a lot of those guys that were over there and like they're like bro this is crazy right now like and they were showing me videos of people in the streets and all kind of stuff and you know it it, the backing and support that they get in that 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 league is, is unreal and it was just a cool experience to go to some of those games and went to a Man U game uh, when we played in Newcastle. And I mean, it's unreal. Like I I couldn't explain it. Like it was just a life, life altering deal. Like, wow, this is real life here. Like I thought there was a lot of people at, I went to a Colts game one time. like, Oh, there's a lot of 70,000 people. And it's like, yeah, okay. Well, now there's 150,000 people and they're cheering in unison and and everyone's going crazy. And um, it, it was a cool deal, man.
2: The foxes were the uh, have the record for the going from fourth division to winning the Premier League in only seven years. So yeah, at the time that you were there, they I think they would have been in English League Two.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh,
2: before they moved up. So uh, I mean, I can't even imagine how fun that was being yeah. around that.
3: Yeah, it was it was a cool deal. I mean, and they would I mean we got free tickets to the games and all that stuff. So and honestly. I didn't take advantage of it how I should have because we could pretty much go to every game and sit in a little suite and I'm like, ah, it's like soccer, like ah, whatever. And then I went to a game and it was at the end kind of. I was like, man, I should have been coming to all these. Like this is amazing. Like, uh, but I was lucky enough to go to a few and, and it was that's that's a different deal, man. It's, it's you hopefully we get Moby like that, where you know, we oh, can get it, yes. it rocking. Yep.
1: Yes. Not, i not. I. hope you do get to experience when it's full. It is uh, as loud as anything you've ever heard. It really is. Um, it's amazing. Um, I've been a Manchester United fan since I was like 12 years old. Um, okay. And so when my wife and I went to London for our 20th anniversary in the late 90s. Um, we had to go see a Man U game. Absolutely. <laughs> I went to see him play West Ham. In, uh, and and uh, Mike, of course, is a big Derby County fan. He's um, on the Rams. There is. The Rams. <laughs> and they're lost nobody. today. <laughs> Rooney, Rooney out. Wayne Rooney is their manager now.
2: <laughs> yep, he's the manager. Yeah, um, I... So what, what was that transition like moving, you know, being a Midwest kid your entire life? I mean, growing up in Milwaukee, playing in Chicago to going, going to Leicester. Like, what was yeah. that?
3: Oh, uh, it was <laughs> it was completely different. You know, it was, it was, it was different, but it was a great experience and I'm, I'm glad I did it. Um, I did, I had a lot of trepidation coming out of college and I was just like, ah, like, you know, I worked out for the bucks and I had unrealistic dreams. So to say, I was like, Oh man, like, I might do something. And I was like, and I might remember my dad telling me like, you're not going like for the box, like I'm like, oh well, I got to work out. He's like, yeah, so like it doesn't mean anything, like, and and it kind of set in, like, okay, I was gonna have to play in Europe if I wanted to keep playing, and got over there, and, and you know, it was it was great because you know I really felt like I grew and matured when when I was an immature kid, and you know, we had we had Americans on the team that were 38, 39 years old, had been playing for. 15 years and it's just like they're the way they went about things and the professionalism of how they acted not only on the court but off the court was, was probably mostly what I learned and you know I kind of kind of just took uh, took it all in and ended up playing and um got back and one of my former coaches at Loyola uh got a got a head division two job after a couple of years and you know he was like hey would you be interested in coaching and I was like yeah I think I would and you know, I felt like I really matured over there, and you know, I, I felt like I had a I had a had a, a satisfaction from playing the game, and more was like, okay, like I'm ready to to help and, and want to stay around the game for the rest of my life.
2: What would you What would you describe uh, the the British League at like compare that to as far as in the, here in the U.S.?
3: It'd be like a mid major, um, you know, the Valley, you know, not 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 the Mountain West, but mid-major like a one bid league um but good basketball a lot of good got a lot of good american imports not as good european players as you get into you know the the high level spains and italy's where you know not only the americans are good but you know a european may be the best player so essentially in 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 the british basketball league all the best players were the americans and you kind of knew that and that was kind of the deal like you're like hey man like you they're bringing you over here to score 20 points and, and get five and five with it too. So that was good, but it, it was a fun experience. You know, I, I, think more, the more I, I, the more memorable things are more things off the court and, you know, having my, who was my wife now was just my fiance at the time, come over there and, you know, travel and, and do different things. So that, that was probably the best part of, of the whole experience.
0: JR, I always have to apologize to our guests because inevitably we keep them way longer and (laughs) you've been awesome to talk with a couple more questions. If you can, Um, I know, well, I know Mike wants to ask you as you're, as a Milwaukee kid, he wants to ask you uh, some of your favorite uh, restaurants there. Go ahead, Mike.
2: So where's your go-to burger place? Is it AJ Bomber's or is it (laughs) Sobelman's?
3: Oh, wow. That's, that's taking it way back. So, I'll tell you this. My favorite burger place in Milwaukee is George Mm. Webbs. Okay. And only because. That's the one I haven't been to. See, and it's only because you can only get it in Milwaukee. So, like, it's like there's multiple locations, but the one downtown on Milwaukee Avenue is the best one. And the one that's on 76 and Good Hope isn't as good. You know, so. I, when every time I go home, I'm like, all right, like you know, I usually spend some time with my family, and then I get my boy, and I'm like, hey man, let's go to George Webbs, and they're open all, they're open 24 hours, so it's like, you know, if we had a night or we did something, it's like, okay, time for George Webbs, you know, if it's 8 p.m. or 2 a.m., it's it's just yep. ready to go. <laughs>
2: so then, what's your what's your uh, favorite thing about the state fair? I love. The Wisconsin State Fair there in Milwaukee. So, what's like? What's your favorite thing?
3: Got to go cheese curds. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, just gotta, you know, and, and I feel like everyone's trying to to duplicate it. And you can, oh yeah, they got cheese curds on the menu, and it's like, yeah, eh, no, I'm gonna pass. Like, you know, I, I'll just wait. I'll just wait till I get home. um They don't squeak. Yeah, you know, it's like it's it, it's it, it's the real deal, and. And my dad, I was born in Philadelphia. I was only there for three years. I'm an Eagles fan. So, you know, unfortunately this year, but my dad, uh, you know, so I always thought like cheesesteaks were fine and he refuses to eat a cheesesteak anywhere else besides when he goes home. I'm like, this cheesesteak tastes fine at Subway. Like, he's like, no, like I won't do it. And He finally took me there. I, I went there and ate one probably when I was like, 15 and yeah it's a major difference so I I agree with him there. Pats or Geno's? Geno's yeah (laughs) and he got mad at me because like I don't like onions or like peppers and he's like well that's not I'm like well I'm not gonna eat something that I don't really like so I just got it plain and it was like a big deal for that just to happen so uh, but I I will he's right about that so.
2: By the way I am having a spotted cow go. right now. My
3: my wife would be very jealous. So uh, she's she gets my every time her her sister comes, like she's like, well oh, did you bring the spotted cow? Like <laughs> I'm like and I'm not a huge beer fan. And I I think spotted cow is like okay. And she's like no oh, it's the best ever. It's the best in there. Oh man like,
2: I, I like your wife. Yeah. So I she's agree from with her.
3: she's from Hurley, Wisconsin. So she's way, way, way up north. Yep.
2: All right. All right. Well, if you need, I, I I have a place that ships it <laughs> out of she, Madison. Aaron she, would know about it.
3: <laughs> she found that place, um, and uh, but she said it just didn't taste the same. Is I'm like, she's like, she's like, it just it, something's different. I need it. I need to know that it came from there. So like, okay. Well.
2: <laughs> There's a restaurant in Madison that uh, started <laughs> shipping during uh, during COVID, and oh, so sure. right yep. <laughs> Yep. Absolutely so we get brought cheese curds and spotted there you go. From-
3: <laughs> nothing wrong with that.
2: Nope.
3: <laughs> so last for
0: me, you've talked a lot about your wife and your daughters. How how has it been with them hauling
3: them across the country out here in Fort Collins? You know, it, it was, it was, it was tough at first, you know, cause it happened so fast, you know, moving from Drake, but you know, they they love it. My, my daughters love it out here. And it and it was great that, you know, we were lucky enough to all stay together as a staff. So we had that camaraderie, not only as a basketball staff, but also within our families that had just spent a year together and worked on building that thing at Drake. And then now it's like, you come out here and my wife, luckily for me, she, she's a professor, but she teaches um, exclusively online. So, she's able to kind of move and, and function wherever I go. And um, she's been the, the backbone and support. And COVID, uh, it, it kind of helped me in a way. You know, I was able to spend a lot of time at home. And she she made me paint the basement walls white. And, um, you know, I kind of just had to do whatever she said. But uh, it was good. Got to spend a lot of time with the family and everything. And, and it's been great being out here. And we, we love being out here in Fort Collins. Uh, Steve, got anything else? Just one
1: final, and it's just more of a long-term thing. Um, Joel mentioned uh, that you were uh, kind of uh, listed as one of the up-and-coming assistant, top assistant coaches. That lends itself well um, in terms of uh, head coaching in the future. Um, what are your thoughts there in terms of uh, head coaching? I know your roots are in the Midwest. Um, ultimately, are you looking to get back there, or are you
3: just looking for
1: the right job?
3: Yeah, you know, I'm just taking it day by day. You know, I'm just learning. Um, If if I was a head coach tomorrow, I probably have no idea what I was doing. So I'm still just trying to learn every day. But um, family is all back in the Midwest. So obviously that would be a a preferred destination. But, you know, head coaching jobs are are hard to find and hard to get and hard to keep, you know. So it's just about the right opportunity. And, and, and until then just continuing to build and, and learn. And, and Nico's just been super supportive and, and, and super informative and, and obviously coach Thorson as well. Um, obviously having all that experience is something that Ali and I know both just kind of bounce ideas off of these guys. And and we're just trying to learn every day. Well, I got to just
0: thank you because I'm sure as you go from game to game and you got no fans, and you're just grinding and it's night after night, and you feel like there's no gratitude. But all of us have gone through the same stuff where we don't have a social life, we're not going to the office sure. much. And and this is what we enjoy, you know, is watching turning tuning into you guys play every night. And uh and it has brought a lot of joy, and there is more to come. And we're we're all hoping you guys can finish the season strong and and really reward your own players and your own staff right. for all the work you've done in, in through the mountain West tournament and the NCAA tournament, we all hope, but for all of me and for me and Steve and Mike and all the fans out there were, we, you've provided a lot of excitement. So we appreciate
2: it, man.
3: Can't even Thank tell you man. how much we appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. And we, we, we know, and we hear you guys and we read it and we see everything that you guys are trying to do on social media. And that's obviously the, the form of communication that that's, that's viable right now, but, it's greatly appreciated and our guys see it and you know all, all the love and support goes a long way. And you know, these guys are are battling and they're excited that you know the future and next year, you know, it'll be packed and, and we're excited to get that thing back rolling. I can't wait till I can sit in my own seats and not sit in the press box for right. God's sake. <laughs> right. Yep,
0: and sharing and, and being loud and not being reserved. Absolutely. Right so so good luck good luck tomorrow thank night you. against new mexico good luck friday and then of course next week is going to be a lot of fun i'm actually going to be out there not going to be able to attend but yeah. we are really enjoying you guys so thank you for everything jr thanks for spending so much time with us today
3: thanks guys. They really are, appreciate I it
2: that was awesome yeah, <laughs> thank fabulous. you so much
3: thank you guys good luck so this week thank you all right that's coach jr blunt
0: on behalf of steve ivy Mike Rowe and myself, this has been a, a really, really good, uh, what, hour and a half. But uh, thank you, thank you, these guys. Thanks to all our listeners. And let's freaking go. All right. We all deserve this. Let's finish the season strong and uh, have some fun. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, I just,
2: tomorrow's
1: another day. Just look forward to the next day, just like the team does.
2: Yep. Survive in advance, man. Survive, Survive in advance. That's the mode we got to gotta look at. All
0: right, guys, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Hey, let's go, Rams.
2: Go, Rams.